0: Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash Elite.
1: If you know, then you know, it's those long nights, early mornings, I'm rolling down these old back roads. Wild Willy Fuel has partnered with the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to offer you, the racer, 20% off when you use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, at checkout. Now, Wild Willie Fuel is the industry-leading manufacturer of professional fuel scent and Top Loop. They have over 60 unique fuel scents. Wild Willie has just the products you need to set yourself apart from the competition. Everybody wants that good smell. They got from the industry's number one selling scent, (laughs) ex-girlfriend, how cool is that, to the brand new fragrance, Fruit Loops. Love me some Fruit Loops. You are sure to find something that fits your personality. Over 60 unique scents, surely you'll find something in there. Now, Wild Willie fuel fragrances can be used in race gas, methanol, ethanol, diesel, Or pump gas. You can put it in all different kinds of fuels. they their sensors are compatible with carburetors, fuel injectors, O2 sensors, and catalytic converters. So stop by and check them out at www.wildwillyfuel.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, to save 20% today. Do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on Halloween? It's shaving your junk with anything other than manscaped. Oh, that is scary. When it comes to below-the-waist grooming, there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is here to upgrade your grooming experience. Now, go from a bite-sized candy bar to a king-sized candy bar. Yeah, you get it? And join the two million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with promo code JED. Now, that's simply J-E-D, and you put that promo code in, they'll give you 20% off plus free shipping. Have you ever tried to trim your junk and it turned into a Freddy Krueger film? (laughs) Well, luckily, Manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're smelling fresh with a new refined body wash. Fellas, the ladies love their signature scent, and it will scare away those vampires. So unlock your confidence with the Performance Package 4.0. Inside, you'll find the holy grail of men's grooming items. They've made it easy for you guys. Upgrade your grooming routine with Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code Jed, S-J-E-D, at manscaped.com again 20 percent off plus free shipping doesn't get any better than that manscaped.com promo code jed guys say trick or treat to your beautiful new halloweeny with manscaped hello everyone and welcome to the sportsman drag racing podcast with luke and jed i'm big jed jared pennington he's cool hand luke bogacki if you're a regular listener thank you for your patronage if you're new You'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it.
0: Welcome back or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and the occasional sportsman bracket racer. How
1: are you, Big Jet? <laughs> Luke, I am well. I'm well. So it's it's fat boy time of the year. The weather's really good. and. You know, it's just a good time to be outside and a good time to be here talking about sportsman drag racing with with you and our, you know, three or four listeners. It's really good time.
0: Mark and I were talking about this off the air. Like this is the time of year. I think we could scrap everything else. I don't really like racing when it's cold. I'm getting to the point I really despise racing when it's hot. Right now racing is nice. Yeah, it's kind of perfect. Yes, yes, cannot beat this at all. Uh ton to talk about on this week's show. Uh we spend a little bit of time Big Jed uh singing the praises of rightfully Troy Williams Jr. and debating a, an interesting topic. Is TWJ the greatest bracket racer of all time? We have that debate obviously on the heels of his $100,000 victory uh last weekend.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, action-packed show, a lot of great results to talk about and a lot of great performances, but certainly looking forward to the discussion on Troy Williams, junior Lucas. Uh, you know, it's a guy that's done it really at an unparalleled level. And and we'll discuss that here when we get the show rolling. Yeah. So that's
0: today's topic. Who is the greatest bracket racer of all time? Is anybody having a better two week stretch than Ryan Montford? Did anybody have a worse weekend than Joe Santangelo? All that and more, but first, E. J. North. Big
1: Jed, we're back. It is great to hear your voice as always, my friend. Likewise, Luke. Um, Always good to to catch up with you and chat about sports and drag racing. Looking forward to the show. We got good stuff out here. So, obviously, our first topic at hand is is um, a really neat story once again that that we've talked about seem like at at length here on the show but um you know we're we're going to we're going to talk about troy williams jr and what he accomplished this weekend luke and then we'll talk about basically his career behind the wheel here so let's get right into that um yeah i feel like we're at a point in
0: the season where all of these shows are super reactive like we're basically just talking about what just happened because we're in such a, such a a busy point of not only the big dollar bracket schedule, the NHRI schedule coming to a head. Like that's pretty much where we're at. We're, we're, we're a complete prisoner of the moment talking about what just happened last week. And to your point, the biggest story from last week, the biggest race of last week was the TB promotions, um, Derby city, 100 grander, which was won by Troy Williams jr. Backing up, the same race that a year ago was won by Gary Williams. It's a Williams show
1: there at Derby City. Louisville slugging it out of the park. Luke, a $100,000 win is is a major, major accomplishment. It should and be. It, it should this be. Is, this is huge. And to most racers, even seasoned ones, this is life-changing. You know, it, it puts you on the map, so to speak. and And bless his heart. Troy Williams Jr.'s done it, and it's like, you know, congrats, Troy, Good job, man. Hey, he's on. done so much for it so is. long, Luke. We're very that, spoiled. yeah that he, he's a victim of his own success in terms of uh, the the celebratory side of something like this. Uh, it, it's just it's a shame, but it's also incredible to think about what Troy's accomplished in his racing career. It's actually a really interesting juxtaposition because, for two reasons, Troy's
0: success and the commonality in 2021 of races with this big a purse, right? So I think it's fair to see, like, oh, Troy and Jr. won another hundred grand, or like, what's he got? Two dozen of those? In reality, like the purses have just ramped up relatively recently. Like I would, I would venture to guess that the races that that Troy has won that meet or exceed this payday, you could probably count on one hand, which is pretty impressive when you look back over his body of work. But that it illustrates your earlier point. Like winning a hundred grander is no small feat, even for someone as experienced and as accomplished as Troy Lynch Jr.
1: Yeah, it's definitely no small feat. It's again, it's a life changing day for most people and something that gets celebrated for, you know weeks or even months for most yet troy is, is doing that again he's racing for a hundred thousand again this coming weekend at the fall Flame in bristol so uh, you know it's just it's kind of ho-hum for lack of a better way of putting it or a better phrase to put on it but you know this I don't even think he understands how big a hundred thousand dollar win is anymore because he's done that type of thing for so long, so much. So, uh, you know, it just, his career is, is unparalleled really on the racetrack and sportsman racing and another huge hundred thousand dollar payday for Troy at the Derby city race is a, is a hell of an accomplishment, Luke, and, and should be, I know those guys are celebrating, but this should be. Celebrated by many because it's it's just something that doesn't happen when you look at what he's accomplished on the racetrack over what are we talking now? It's over two decades.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really where I wanted to go with this conversation because we've alluded to this in the past and, and said that Troy, specifically, you could argue is the what do you say winningest, like most successful, perhaps best. Big dollar bracket racer of all time, and I think it's a great time to to revert back to that discussion and maybe even broaden it a little bit, Jed. Because like I wanna I wanna pigeonhole this and say uh, if Troy's not the best big dollar bracket racer of all time, he's certainly on a, on a short short list. But I don't I don't know that you couldn't broaden that and say best bracket racer of all time because I think you could certainly make the argument that the heyday of Bracket racing has been the advent of big dollar bracket racing, which is really the last three decades. You know that it's really, really hit home, and that's also been the heyday and really the career of Troy Williams Jr. If I said to you, Jed, Troy Williams Jr. is the greatest bracket racer of all time, do you give any pushback to that,
1: Luke? I don't see how I could. I, I mean, I guess your follow up to that would be okay. Tell me who's who's better, who's done more and i couldn't come up with that person i could come up with people that we perceive to be as good or as accomplished but reality is there's probably not anyone um if you just broke down the the true accomplishments uh i don't think you could could argue against troy being the best ever i think you could make a really valid argument for
0: troy Lynch jr i think you could in my mind You could make a valid argument for three racers and they all kind of run together. (laughs) It's, it's Troy, it's his brother, Gary, and it's Kenny Underwood. And the argument really for all of them, I outside of just tremendous success, uh, unparalleled success in, in a lot of cases is simply longevity, like being as dominant as really each of those three have been for three plus decades. I mean, take, take Troy Williams jr. As an example, like I feel like he burst onto the scene, so to speak nationally. I believe it was 1998 when he won the million dollar race. It was the was that the second or third annual million. Um, he had had a tremendous success uh, on a, on a local slash regional level in probably the two to three years leading up to that. But that was the season he wins the million. He wins the Moroso Five Day. I think it was either that year or the next year he wins the B&M Series Championship. And you're like, wow, this guy's winning everything. And he seemingly hasn't stopped since 1998. You know what I mean? Like he's okay. certainly been on the circuit, on the scene. And by and large, like there haven't been many unsuccessful seasons, right? There have been very few unsuccessful stretches. And you could take like what we're witnessing right now with Jeff Serra is unbelievable. Like I don't know that Troy's ever had a stretch like that. But Jeff Sarah hadn't done it for 30 years, right? You could look back, I think uh, people of, of our um, age, for, for lack of a better term, Jed, have a hard time in saying anyone was a was or is a better bracket racer than Scotty Richardson because Scotty was absolutely dominant. But when we zoom out from that, like, again, that was a, a an age that probably in Scotty's case lasted longer than most, right? I mean, he won the million last year, right? Like obviously Scotty's still doing it at a high level, but it's not week in, week out the way that it was. And Scotty's run probably lasted for 15 years, maybe closer to 20. Like I feel like the longevity doesn't quite measure up to Troy's. And I feel like they've won at a similar level for that time. Like, Like I say, I think the thing that separates Troy and in my mind, perhaps Gary, perhaps Underwood is just the fact that they've, They've never lost the the pace. Like most people, most racers have success and then for whatever reason venture away from racing or away from big dollar bracket racing, find their way back. Like the the, the drive, the ambition to go and the talent and ability to continue to succeed for five or 10 years is rare, much less for going on 30. And that's where Troy's at.
1: Yeah. Look, that was the next point I was going to make and, and you summed it up, but you're talking about a guy that I don't think has had a year off in all over three decades. I I'm 50. I would think Troy's near my age. Uh, I don't know if you yeah, know, I think that's fair. I think he's um, in his early fifties. I think that's right. So, so you're talking about a guy that's done it over three decades and, and has not taken a year off and you know, his worst year, is, is probably a dream year for a lot of people. So uh, it's been done in an extremely, extremely high level. And I guess one of the most important things for me, Luke, because I'm that age and I understand how racing has evolved from when Troy started to where it is today. And his skill set just adapts to whatever uh, whatever the racing style calls for uh, in it, in its own era, you know, there was, there was that time when everybody dialed it too faster than it would run. And then you got into the guys that were holding numbers and all they had to do is beat you on the tree and take a little bit. And, you know, Troy was dominant in that area as well. And now it's evolved to where guys are not holding near as much. Uh, they can run the dial in, but it takes exceptional runs, exceptional runs to, do the things that, that he and his brother are doing on the racetrack consistently year after year after year. And, you know, they're doing it at, at the, at the half century mark. Um, and I know how difficult that is. I know how your skills diminish somewhat over the years, yet his just seem to improve each year. So it, when you look at it, in totality, it's it's phenomenal what Troy has been able to do from where he, as you mentioned, burst onto the scene to what he's doing today still. And and you know, you're talking about a guy that that can do it on the eight ninety long track. Uh, you know, you give him a few laps on the bottom bulb, he can do it. Uh very, very good skills, top to bottom and and obviously still winning at a very, um, very high level. So, uh, it would be extremely difficult to argue against Troy being the best bracket racer we've ever seen.
0: I would agree with that. I, I think too what, what separates him a little bit in this discussion. And again, I, I would lump, I would lump Gary Williams and, and Kenny Underwood in this as well for the same reasons is that to your point, like obviously Troy is, Super versatile. Like I've seen him win indoor cars. I've seen him win in dragsters, short track, long track, top ball, bottom ball, super class racing, whatever. Um, and he's got IHRA World Championship, perhaps plural, might be two of those. Not sure. In uh, in the 890 category, he's obviously won the U.S. Nationals. The two time that he's chased NHRA Super Comp, he finished second and third. Like he can do anything. But I think what separates him, uh, again, along with Gary and Kenny in this discussion, is that despite dipping his toes in the water in various forms of competition, basically just proving that versatility. His focus for the last 25 plus years has been on big dollar bracket racing. Like he's rarely missed a 50 grander, like anywhere in the country for the last 25 years, he's always there and always competitive. And I don't think like just that the longevity portion, you can't say that about many people for that many years running and much less to, in, to enjoy the type of success that he has. And then like, if we're even gonna broaden this out a little bit, and I realize that this um, transcends the scope of this discussion, but we're talking more like Hall of Fame credentials here, and obviously Troy, along with the others that I mentioned, first ballot. But what Troy has done for this sport, like forget the on-track success, like he's always been the guy that he is obviously a racing savant, that, But he's always been an open book. Like, he's taken so many racers under his wing, myself included, and delve into the intricacies and, like, this is how you get good at this, right? And I just – he's doing it – he's done it more recently with Jeff Serra, Mikey Bloomfield, like, on down the line. Like, there's not there's not a whole lot of, like, transcendent competitors that haven't been under his wing at some point. Like, and that's that's a pretty broad, widespread thing that I think you know, when, when we talk legacy someday for Trojans Jr, like I think that's the stuff that the legends are made of, even more so necessarily than holding the big checks and the trophies.
1: Yeah, it's very well said, Luke, um, you know, and, and back to the point of him being willing to share what uh, he feels like is the keys to his success. And and try to help you get there as well. You know, obviously it works for FTI and he's uh he's right in the middle of a lot of R D and development and the torque converter world for bracket racing and sportsman racing. Um, uh, but you know, that's anything in his combination, anything in his routine, Troy will share with you. Uh he'll he'll send you the same parts he's got. Uh, he'll help you with your combination. and uh, just again just goes to show that you know not only is he extremely talented but he understands that uh, it's important to represent the sport well it's important to uh, represent the products that he runs well and you know when it's all said and done and you line up he's got the confidence that he's just going to go out there and accomplish what he's trying to accomplish and get the wind light regardless of of if he's helped you or who whoever he's helped. So uh Troy's just uh he's a he's a he's a winner all the way around and you know a guy that not only has accomplished a lot on the racetrack, he's changing uh sportsman and bracket racing off the track too with what he's involved in uh on his uh, you know regular day job if you will.
0: Feed to the fire Did I put you on the spot. If we were to create a poll or a ballot best bracket racer of all time. I mentioned Troy Williams, Jr. Obviously Gary Williams, Kenny Underwood, Scotty Richardson, I think are obviously on that ballot. Who else would be on that ballot?
1: Oh, of all time. Luke, uh, I mean, you've got so many that have accomplished so much, you know, in their own area. Uh, but you, you think of the Tim Butler's of the world, uh, you think of, um, you know, even, even guys like Nick Hastings, uh, you know, it's it's hard. He hasn't done it near as long, but it's hard to believe that he won't.
0: Right. Uh, I think you've got an argument for him right now, and if we're having this conversation in 10 years, uh, absolutely, right?
1: You know, but I, I look at guys like you. You've accomplished a ton in the sport. Uh, Peter, although he hasn't done it at, at a very um, high number, um in the last 10 years or so guys like that um you know guys that i looked up to on the local level the doyle k's of the world you know that was just seemingly unbeatable for uh, over a decade so guys like that to me or you know but no one has done it on the on the highest level like troy has for that long but i you know those kind of guys come to mind for me
0: Yeah, that's all fair. I think if we're talking the best bracket racer of all time, as much um, respect as I have for Peter's skills, like I think his, his reputation is really staked in in NHRA ranks. Obviously he's won multiple bracket races. I don't know just from the attention to it. Like, I don't know if he, he would make that list for me. And that's hard for me to say, because I think I respect his game more than anyone's. Um, but I, I think too, it's interesting to think back over multiple eras. You're 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 right on point with Butler, because that's a guy that kind of similar to Troy, like uh on a more regional level, has been dominant for 40 years, right? Like, and is still doing it at a really high level today. Um, and if you kind of go back through eras, like if you're talking about best bracket racer of all time, and this is where it broadens a little bit, that goes a little bit beyond the scope of the more recent big dollar racing, like you could. Certainly, make a case to include John LaBoose in that discussion. You can make a case to include Steve Taylor and Chip Horton, like just on sheer number of wins, right? Magnitude of wins. Um, And I'm sure that there are more names that I'm forgetting, but uh, I don't, I certainly don't think there's anyone on that list that would trump Troy. Like I say, there might be a few that you could put on the same page, but uh, just from sheer success and longevity. James jr. Uh, like I say, I don't want to be a prisoner at the moment. They just want hundred grander, but I, I, if he's not the greatest bracket racer of all time, I think he's on the short, short, short.
1: <laughs> uh, um, no doubt. I'm going to look real quick. Uh, we just lost chip Horton, So, uh, you know, he is, oh, recently, I didn't realize that recently passed. Yep. Uh, chip, um, you know, for those that don't know, uh, chip had one leg and, and one, my goodness, uh, I would assume over a thousand races, but if not over a thousand, very close to a thousand, uh, probably the, the most unique, uh, uh, racer that I've ever come across in terms of what most of us would, would call a disability. Uh, he just never let it affect him and competed at a very high level and, and won so much racing in his time. So. Uh, may he rest in peace, and definitely thoughts and prayers uh, to to all of Chip's family and and friends that were impacted by his loss.
0: Some side notes from the the Derby City race that where Troyum's Jr. won the hundred thousand dollar main event. I said earlier that's that comes on the heels of his brother winning the same main event at the the same race a year ago. So Williams' domination there uh, in the Midwest. Uh, Troy defeated. Lane Dickin in the $100,000 race final, another name that is no stranger to big dollar competition. It just seems like we've talked about Lane before. Like he just kind of quietly goes about his business and no one bats an eye that he's in another $100,000 final. The dude races like five times a year on the biggest stages that there are and just consistently gets it done. It's, it's pretty impressive to watch from afar.
1: It really is. Luke Lane is a, is a super good guy. He, <laughs> you mentioned he races about five times a year. He he moved from I believe it was Iowa. I think's where Lane was from. Right. Yep. Moved to to Tennessee, to the the you know Nashville area, if you will, so he could race more and, and he and races be, less and yeah. be, be closer to, <laughs> closer to racing. And he just doesn't seem to go very much. So, but by God, when he does go. Lane Dicken is a factor. Uh, that guy has been in the middle of some very, very good races, uh, very high profile races, high dollar races. And he continues to, to just quietly make his way into the, you know, the, the important rounds of these key races that he goes to. So, uh, great job again by lane. And I'm sure he was no easy out for for T-Rock, I, I would imagine I'd like to see the numbers on that, but I imagine it was a good run for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's safe to assume. So making this extra special for Troy Williams Jr., again, back-to-back back and with his brother in the main event, plus his FTI on-site teammate, Scott Sanders, wins the final 25 grander of the weekend. So big haul for the uh, FTI on-site team. And Jed, uh, I, well, I guess, fair to note, Bryson Bryson Scruggs, like Bryson didn't win the 100 Grinder. He just about won everything else they had. A young man out of Tennessee was the MVP of the uh, Derby City. We don't have to debate that because they actually chose that. Uh, Bryson wins. uh, I don't know exactly how this shook down. I assume it was weather-related, but they ended up having basically two 25-granders to completion on Sunday. Bryson won the first, runnered up the second. God knows how many runs he put on Mike Bloomfield's little shorty dragster on Sunday alone, but just about ran the table
1: yeah bryson obviously one of the the talented young guns in the sport um a guy that you know you see at all of these big high dollar races and and you know he's obviously part of the the moser team formerly cars team with uh with catfish and mia and the gang jody davies and all those guys always hanging together but Uh, Bryson uh, a very talented young man no no surprise at all to see him accomplish this and really happy for him he's a he's a hard-working dude every time I see him at the racetrack he he looks like he's just rebuilt something and you know like a diesel engine in the toter or something he's always just dirty and kind of ragged looking and you You can't
0: roll with Jason Lynch and not have that in you
1: I was going to say he, uh, he gets that, he is, you know, he gets that honestly, uh, with the, the group that he runs with for sure with catfish. But, uh, when he gets in that car, it's, uh, it's all clean and mean, he makes really, really good runs So great job. Beast scrub. All right. So, so four big races
0: on the weekend. The first one, uh, up there at Kilker, and that this race was in Ohio, Jed, I'm going to go down that road. The mm-hmm. first one was won by Chris Wallen score one for state of Ohio, right? Congrats to Chris, and then you had Bryson Scrubs. He's from Tennessee. Williams Jr. He's from Florida. Scott Sanders. He's from Florida. So I, I'm going to go here again. I got in trouble for this years ago. I don't think anyone from Division One ri- listens to our podcast anymore. So I, I went. <laughs> I went there for whatever reason, Jed. That the, the the majority of the racers in Division One, and the, and the, for some reason, the majority of the I shouldn't say the majority. The rate the vocal, perhaps minority. The people I hear from. Division one in the state of Ohio are just on and on and on. We're the best. We're the best. We're the best, right? Can't come in here and beat us. Okay. Over the course of the last month, there's been a lot of big races in Ohio and I'm not, Ohio has great racers, great racers, but it didn't look, Jeff Sarah didn't make it look too hard to go in Ohio and take all their money. Kyle it didn't look too hard for him to go in Ohio and take all their money. Troy Williams jr. They went into Ohio, took all their money. I'm I'm not saying you're not great, Ohio. Like, defend your turf. They didn't make it look that hard.
1: Well, Luke, it's uh, obviously a lot of talent in that state, as you mentioned, and uh, a lot of capable. And everybody I just mentioned could win anywhere. Yeah. That's the point. They
0: can win anywhere. It's not not like they, they can't go to Ohio and
1: win. Give me a break. They just did. Well, it's. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the Buckeyes play this year. It's just a down year for Ohio. <laughs> uh, they're they're coming back. Ohio's coming back, and they're coming back strong. But right now, Cincinnati is about the best team in the state, and that's probably not what anybody believed would happen. So, wow, I thought I'd get hate mail for this. Yeah, they're they're coming that's back no, I'm I'm OH man, I love those guys. I love I, have, those. I love I, have, I love those Buckeyes. <laughs> The other big event on the big dollar bracket scene this
0: weekend away from uh, Killcare, was up at Cecil County, Maryland. That was your buddy uh, Fetch and JP's Jim Harrington Memorial Classic. Jim Harrington Bracket Nationals, I think is the actual official name. Um, I know that Mike Barber a uh, familiar name on the along the East Coast was the main event fifty thousand dollar winner. It's funny how it is twenty twenty one. We are twenty plus minutes into the podcast before we mention the guy that won fifty grand. <laughs> Sign of the times. I, if I remember reading right, I think Barbara was doubled in the semis as well. Dropped one in the semis, ended up winning on the other. Really impressive performance from him.
1: Wouldn't surprise me, Mike uh, driving his familiar little Mustang. Uh, obviously, a talented guy used to do it on the bottom bulb. I uh, used to see Mike at all the big bottom bulb races. He switched over to the top uh, several years ago. And man, this uh, he can still bottom bulb, but uh, when he, on the top, he's just as mean and nasty as, as he can be. And uh, obviously, making really good runs there and got that fifty thousand dollar main event. I, I Can't remember, Luke. I felt like I saw Jeff Krasinski. uh, Maybe he was runner up in the fifty. Was the runner up, and those guys are very good friends. Very good friends travel together and those type things. So uh, great to see an all tight friend, good buddy, fifty k final right there, and uh, obviously happy to see uh, Mike Barber get that win and Jeff Krasinski perform well, and you know uh, JP and and Fetch. Uh, had this, the earlier version of this event moved to ATCO earlier this year was very successful by all accounts. It looks like another successful event back at its original home at Cecil County there in Maryland. So, uh, congrats to, to fetch and JP as well for, for pulling off another wonderful event. All right. So Krasinski's
0: loss to Barber, at least the way you frame it, probably not the bad beat of the week. Do you have a bad beat candidate? Cause I, I think I got a good one.
1: Uh, I do not. I do not have a bad beat this week, Luke. All
0: right. So I, I think I got you covered. Let me frame this a little bit. <clears throat> Gary Stinnett, four time NHRA SuperComp World Champion, the winningest driver in NHRA SuperComp history. I think that's undebatable. Comes into last weekend's national event in St. Louis, the leader, going gunning for a fifth NHRA SuperComp World Championship. Now, granted, we'll get. Deeper into this uh, in a little bit, and I touched on it a little bit last week. The field in Supercomp near the top—I mean, who's who, right? And the score that Stinnett has right now, not going to hold on, right? Like it's—it's it's actually a low score. Like among everybody that that's that's vying for this, you would think someone's going to knock it out of the park. No one has to this point. But regardless, for the purpose of of framing this story, Gary Stinnett comes in as the leader. Uh, I believe he's improving a second round loss at St. Louis. He rolls through round two. So he's, he's now earning points. He's improved on the ladder in round three paired with none other than Tommy Phillips. You could argue Jed that those are the two best super comp racers of our generation, right? Uh, The, only thing keeping them from being the two most accomplished are the fact that Tommy has yet to win a national championship. It's finished second, like five times in super comp alone, but too obvious like that's a that's a marquee matchup in round three so the situation that Stinnett's in you've got arguably the toughest draw of the event with everything on the line right the season is winding down you're at a place now you're improving odds are if you lose in round three it's going to be more difficult to improve that all eyes are on you and all of the, the competitors, everyone else in the top 10 has fallen. Like this is a golden opportunity to tack on points. You know that you've got to be up for this round. The this, this stage is huge. The lights are as bright as they can be for this type of racing. Gary Stinnett rises to the occasion as you might expect. Gary Stinnett is two, take four. Gary Stinnett's win light does not come
1: on. No. <laughs> oh, Bobby
0: Phillips, five. And I think like 89.5, which puts Stinnett one thou further under. I mean, you can't hang your head about that, obviously, if you're Gary Stinnett, but what a gut punch. Like, you know, this is the round, put all your chips in the middle and make as good a run as you could possibly make. And it's not good enough.
1: That's definitely a bad beat. Oh my goodness. And, and like you said, with all that pressure and build up and everything else, and to go out and perform like that. Oh my goodness. That is brutal. And I, as I mentioned earlier, like this is what makes this
0: year's super comp chase so incredibly interesting because it's huge names atop the leaderboard. You're talking Gary Stinnett. You're talking reigning champion, Christopher Dodd, Ray Ray Miller, John LaBoose Jr., Austin Williams, Sherman Adcock. But among that star-studded group, no one is separating themselves. Like in fact, the score right now that is leading is like not a score that should ever win. And everybody's running out of races and no one among that star-studded group even is separating themselves. I would have thought a month ago, like one of those guys is gonna win two races and get some distance, right? And put up a score. It hasn't happened. And not really at the fault of any of them. Like it's, I guess it speaks to, to parody and to some extent, you know, the parody in that category specifically, and to some extent just happenstance, like obviously Stinnett makes an incredible run when light doesn't come on at the same event, Austin Williams round one. And round one was kind of bizarre at St. Louis. Like it was stupid slow for whatever reason. I think there was one breakout in the first round of Supercomp, one winning run that went under maybe two. Like most of the field was 93 to 95 for whatever reason. Austin's opponent, nine total. I mean, oh. like, yeah, just this stuff that doesn't happen. Christopher Dodd loses in round two, but like, you had to go through the whole progression. Like, I got to see this firsthand. He comes back from a time trial, and like, the car won't hardly move because the brakes are dragging something. Like, Christopher's got really good stuff. And I feel like he and his father maintain their car, like, as well as anyone outside of perhaps Gary Stinnett. Like, he is the. He's, he's a level above, right? And you talk to Stint, you just get the attention to detail. It's kind of maniacal, but obviously it pays off. But the Dodds, like good stuff, well-maintained, very keen attention to detail. So come back, like after rebuild the whole brake system, rolls up for round one and gets a, I'm sorry, rolls up for the last time trial, I think, and gets a bogus run because the throttle stop doesn't shut all the way because it's got like some kind of CO2 regulator issue, right? Something that never happens, Gets the win in round one because I think his opponent red lighted and the ignition box quit. I mean like everything that could go wrong. Did he finally gets a race car under him for round two, but like basically doesn't have a time trial, loses round two. Like that's the way it's going for everyone in the top 10. And so you've got all of these huge names and yet the score to beat is lower than it's been in a decade in super comp. Someone's going to win. I think it's probably going to be one of those big names. But right now, Gary Stinnett leads with 525 points. There has been years that 525 points won't get you in the top 10. And that's going to change. Like 525 is not going to win. That's going to move north. But I don't think it's going to move north monumentally. Like I'm of the mind now. I think the first one to 600 wins. And when you look at those names, you would not think that. Uh, Like I say, you run through the top 10, it's a who's who. And... I mentioned this last week, Jed, like if you're looking for a, a dark horse, so to speak, like uh, an outsider outside of that power structure, and that power structure, again, monumental. I mentioned Hunter Patton a week ago, uh, and I think you'd said, and we kind of determined on the show, ah, it's not likely that Hunter will chase it. Well, Big Jed, a little birdie told me Hunter Patton not in Bristol for the spring fling. Hunter Patton coming to St. Louis to run a double divisional. I pulled up some i did a little research here hunter patton entered in dallas entered in houston entered in bristol i think hunter's gonna make a run at this
1: oh wow luke that is uh that is a bit of a shock especially for someone who's had that much success on the big dollar bracket racing scene
0: no doubt and i mean obviously financially speaking like hunter you probably better serve to, to go to bristol but there's only so many opportunities to win a world championship and he's in a decent position. And it just, he adds more star power to this top 10. Like you're going to have heard of the, the Supercomp world champion. Now, again, if you're looking for names outside of that, that star studded group last week's winner at St. Louis, Nick Eisenhower, that is Devin Eisenhower, former super Gas world champion, uh, Nick's his brother. If that name sounds familiar, Nick Eisenhower won Supercomp at Indy this year as well. Now, the Eisenhowers haven't chased the NHRA Tour like they have in years past, but obviously Nick now with two national event wins and a couple other late round performances, he doesn't even have a full ledger yet to the minimum. Like You get to claim your best three out of six nationals. You get to claim your best five out of eight divisionals. He hasn't been to three and five yet. And he's within striking distance. Obviously, they will be back in St. Louis this weekend at the double divisional. If he has success there and they want to put that big rig and drive, Nick Eisenhower could upset the apple cart on all of this
1: and win the whole thing. So, Luke, obviously, it's nowhere near over. It's not over. But come on, give me the winner. Tell me who's going to come out of this
0: man, it is so, I mean, there's, there's 10 names in there. They've all pretty much in the same spot. I'll tell you who's not going to win. I think John LaBoose jr is out of races now. I don't think he can win. Um, the rest of them, all bets are off. Like if you're just asking me gut instinct, who's going to pull this off betting against in it to win it is never a smart play in supercom, but I don't, I don't have a great, um, Feel for this in terms of You could say any of like eight names And I I would say yeah that makes sense I'll just Where this Where this series is headed Predominantly Division 4 Austin Williams has won Under pressure at Noble He's won seemingly everything they've ever had At Dallas I don't think he's had as much success at Houston But the Houston Nationals is going to be run at Dallas this year I just feel like that's going to line up like it's not Topeka, but it's the next best thing. Like if I had to, if I had to lay a wager, I think my money's on Austin.
1: Okay. I was kind of leaning in that same direction. And I was going to say, because you know, he's going to have uh, some key races in his uh, neck of the woods, if you will. So I felt like that would be somewhat of an advantage. For a dub and obviously all the talent and great equipment helps as well, but all those guys have that so but a dub would have been my pick as well so i'm going to be interested to see how that one works out. it's interesting there's there's not
0: a national event on the schedule this weekend, and I think this is one of two weekends between now and mid November, when we end this thing there's not a national event and yet. This weekend may go further than any other week in determining that. We've got the double divisional at St. Louis, where we'll see Gary Stinnett, where we'll see presumably Hunter Patton, uh, potentially Ray-Ray Miller. Um, I would assume Christopher Dodd. Well, if Christopher Dodd's not at St. Louis, he'll be in Noble, Oklahoma. That's the other divisional this weekend where Austin Williams will be perhaps christopher dodd like i think the majority of the contenders and don't forget nick eisenhower i assume he'll be at st louis as well um so it's very possible that we see like a gary stinnett hunter Patton final in st louis and, and austin williams christopher dodd final in noble and now we've got four racers over 600 and i said first one to 600 wins like that's very possible um but this weekend could go a long ways in in providing a little bit clearer picture
1: Yep. Well, I, I definitely agree with that. And it, um, it's going to be fun to watch. That's, uh, that's some serious players there. So I'm sure everybody will bring their best shot. Sticking with the, the NHRA scene, Jed,
0: I don't know it, this, this almost slipped by me. And I, and this is another one, like, I guess on a little bit different level than Troy Williams Jr. But some people just win often enough that you just don't really blink at it. Ryan Monford won stock eliminator at St. Louis last weekend, uh national event. Crown, uh, one of multiple national events for, for Ryan. It comes on the heels. We just talked, we just mentioned his name on last week's episode. He won sportsman at the Division Five ET finals the week prior. Tell me who's having a better two weeks than Ryan Monfort.
1: Uh, nobody. Uh, really good to see Ryan. Obviously, a couple of years ago was part of our champions interviews with uh, with the championship and um, IHRA sportsman, I believe, at that time as well. So I think that was uh, NHR. I think he won at Pomona. Okay. NHR. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, uh, back to his winning ways and obviously a, a wonderful two weeks for him. So keep it growing, Ryan. That's, that's fun to watch. And so as good a two weeks as Ryan Monford had, if we were to say like who had the
0: toughest weekend of anybody on the NHR tour, we'll keep this NHRA. How about my man, Joe Santangelo. So Santangelo came into, we, we mentioned it on, on last week's show, uh, as, the odds on favorite to win the national championship in stock eliminator and the leader for the national championship in super stock, basically embroiled in a, in a three-way battle. What looked to be a three-way battle with himself, uh, Ricky Decker and uh, Greg Stanfield. Fast forward one weekend, right? Santangelo goes to Virginia for the double and has an uncharacteristically rough weekend for like a multitude of reasons that could have qualified him for bad beats as well. Right? I, I, he lost a heads up run in stock and he's driving Anthony Portosi's stalker. Like that thing doesn't lose many heads up runs, but he, he's, he ran into Bubba Link, who loses fewer heads up runs, right? Um, <laughs> he had a round in super stock where it looked like he gave it back a thousandth, like rough weekend, right? Double divisional. And it's really rare that you see. Joe Sant'Angelo go to a divisional and not make it like deep in the rounds or in the final, much less two in one weekend. And his best performance was a fourth round finish in Stock Eliminator. Now that did help his cause. He improved in Stock Eliminator and get a little bit of distance there. But when you combine his lack of success, right. And kind of running into a brick wall there in Virginia with the fact that like pretty much everybody that Joe Sant'Angelo wouldn't have wanted to see have success last weekend had success last weekend. So Sant'Angelo doesn't really improve his score. In Superstock, uh, Ricky Decker is runner-up at St. Louis. More on him later. So he actually moves into the points lead now. In stock, Wes Neely is runner-up in St. Louis. We talked about Wes to start the year. Wes started out absolutely on fire, and particularly on the divisional level, has this tremendous score. It's like 440 points in division, something ridiculous. Right? He's your Division four champion, hands down. His ledger is the weirdest looking thing ever because he's got pretty much every divisional. He's like semis or better in national event competition. This was his fifth national event coming into St. Louis. He had won a round in the first four national events of the season. Basically hadn't lost on the divisional level. Couldn't string anything together on the national level. So when he goes to runner up in St. Louis, obviously that's a monumental improvement. Now, Santangelo is still in the lead relatively comfortably, but what looked to be a foregone conclusion a week ago in stock, like you can't count West Neely out yet. And then in Superstock, with Decker adding to his national score, like that was almost like a complete bonus. That was Ricky Decker's final national event. He came in improving a quarter final where he's going to make hay is on the divisional side. He's got three races left and has proven like a second rounder and a third rounder you would think, okay, he's going to make a move on the divisional side. Well, he just sneaks into that last national and improves that quarterfinal by two plus rounds, goes to runner up, takes the national points lead, and now still gets uh, the double at at St. Louis this weekend to improve plus one more divisional. Um, Honestly, like it's not as bad as it sounds for Sant'Angelo. He and Ricky Decker each still have uh, three races left, I believe. No, I'm sorry, Santangelo has two races left. Ricky has three. And Santangelo's improving similar scores, working on a second round loss and a third round loss. So he still has an opportunity. It's not like it's over, but he is not in nearly as good a position as he was just one week ago. And I know I say this each and every time that we discuss superstock. That's not a two-horse race. Like those two have separated themselves. Greg's Ricky Decker and, and Joe Santangelo have separated themselves. Greg Stanfield will have a say in this championship. He's still sitting at one national event for the season with a tremendous divisional score. And he is, oh, by the way, entered in the last five national events of the season. He's going to make one solid run at this thing uh, over the course of the next six weeks. So whatever it is that Santangelo and Decker decide amongst themselves and duke this out, and I would assume get to 650 plus, that's not going to be a secure thing until probably Greg Stanfield stages at Pomona. Like I assume that he's going to go into the last national event or the last couple of national events with at the very least a shot at stealing that title.
1: Yeah. Obviously just like super comp, serious players here, experienced racers, championship racers doing battle, um, you know, these, these things again, whether you're, whether you like to nerd out on the points or not, These things are super fun to watch from the outside, looking in, um, you know, I, I guess the one thing to me that I wonder about is like Santangelo, um, you know, making the trip, making the trip west. Does he, does he take the equipment that he has been racing or does he end up flying out and driving something, you know, is this going to be his best shot at those guys? That's it. You know, I'm not sure how that will play out. I, I think that'll be a factor.
0: Yeah. I don't like, it wouldn't shock me to see Joe Santangelo roll into St. Louis this weekend and just like hook a rope to Ricky Decker's bumper. Like, I don't think that's the best thing for either of them. Cause I feel like that's going to open the door for Greg Stanfield, but I could see Santangelo doing that. Right. Like, I, I don't know what to expect there. And to that point, um, it, Whichever of those two kind of separates themselves here in the next three to four weeks, do they then go west to try to play blocker to Stanfield in Vegas and Pomona at his last races? It's similar to Supercomp. We'll have a little bit clearer picture this weekend. I'm sure. I I shouldn't say sure. I'm very confident we'll see Ricky Decker in St. Louis. Uh, I would assume we would see Greg Stanfield at Noble. Uh, who knows with Sant'Angelo? He may save that last divisional. I think it's uh, the Division One finales in Cecil County next weekend, uh, or he may show up at one of those races. There's there's no telling with 00 Joe.
1: No, obviously there isn't. Uh, I mean, he will definitely be a player and a factor, but it'll be uh, rather interesting to see what kind of run he makes at it. So these things always come down to the end of the year, and they're always super fun to watch. So can't wait to see how this one works out as well.
0: Worth noting also, Jed, on the superstock stock front, uh, Kent Hanley adds to the list of people that, that Joe Santangelo probably didn't want to see in the final. Uh, Hanley was runner-up in Virginia. Uh, now, where that puts him, like that was his last divisional event. Obviously, you'd love to make a final at the last one, uh, but it's also his last divisional event, so there's no more opportunity to improve on the divisional side of the ledger. I think he's got two national events left, but short of, say, winning them both, I don't think Hanley is a title contender as phenomenal his season has been that runner up finish probably secures him a top 10, uh, a spot in the top 10, perhaps even the top five, but again, short of like running the table at his last two national events, probably not uh, necessarily in that discussion with Sant'Angelo, Decker, Stanfield. I think the championship goes through those three. The one other class did that caught my attention. And we talked about this again a little bit last week, top sportsman. Like I told you last week, all bets are off, but Case in point, we were talking about Vince Hoda last week. He went to Charlotte um, in the win there, kind of catapulted him up from off the radar to suddenly like top three, very much in national championship contention. Uh, Fast forward one week, and Jerry Albert and Kurt Frederick both have tremendous weekends. Albert uh, quarterfinaled both events in Virginia. Frederick made a second consecutive final after winning the divisional event in Earlville, uh, what? two weeks prior Frederick runner up in St. Louis. And all of a sudden they vault to the top. They are now tied for the lead just uh, like a round ahead of Ben Soda. So this thing is changing week to week. And I think is destined to change again. Um, there's only a handful of divisional races left at this point. Uh, and given the nature of top sportsmen, for two reasons, uh, the divisional level is probably where this is going to be decided. Top sportsmen, unlike the traditional NHRA sportsman classes, where you get to claim your best three national events out of the first six that you attend. Since top sportsman is not contested at every race, they get their best three out of five. So many of the competitors have been to the full allotment of national events. Plus there's what, five national events remaining on the schedule, Bristol, Houston, Dallas, Vegas. Yeah, I think that's it, there's five races left, but only three of them at which top sportsman is contested. And one of those, The Houston national event, which will be completed at Dallas, the field has been closed since the spring. Like if you weren't entered Houston in, was that April? You can't enter now. So your championship contenders may only have two shots remaining at nationals. Top sportsman runs at Houston, which again is closed. Dallas and Pomona does not run at Bristol, does not run at Vegas. So you've got the three that we just mentioned, Kurt Frederick, Terry Albert, Vince Hoda, atop the standings right now, plus... Familiar names in the top 10, like reigning champion, Darian Bosch, like Paul Mitzos, like former champion Romney Proctor, many more. And then if you go down a little bit again, like outside of the top 10 racers that should they be willing to travel, have events remaining on their ledger and could make a run at this at open out in division seven, like this thing's coming to him, right? There's a lot of division seven races left and Jimmy Lewis, who I assume I'll see in St. Louis again this weekend. Um, two national event wins already this season, a former national champion. All of those guys are very much in contention and it's literally like four rounds separating the top 12. like the the leader is probably going to change multiple times between now and the end and who ends up coming out on top much like supercomp Jed, your guess is as good as mine.
1: Yeah, obviously that's uh, a lot of unknowns right now and we'll see how those work out. but Luke, all those points battles are very interesting how's that super gas battle looking
0: uh i want to say it's over but it's not over <laughs> um yeah like i mean mathematically it's not gonna be over for a while but um yeah i think uh jimmy mason or edmund richardson have the best shot and i think they have to win like three of their four next four races minimally so it looks pretty good i like my chances
1: awesome well <laughs> give me it works
0: out you put my feet to the fire in super count. Give me a top sportsman world champion.
1: Oh goodness, uh, Luke. Uh, I mean, I I would just be guessing here, but I would have to think. Mm. I don't. I don't really know. You said three races is is all that's left. So
0: three national events. There's still a handful of divisionals.
1: Hmm. I don't know. I'd just be guessing, but Frederick.
0: Yeah, it's a good pick. Reigning Division Three champ. I, if you are gonna put my feet to the fire, my heart says Vince Hoda. My head probably says Jimmy Lewis. I just have a lot of a lot of respect for that dude's talent, I have for years. So yeah. who knows? You like I say, the listeners, your guess is as good as mine. Wide open, absolutely wide open, wide open as I've seen. Any category at this time of year in the last decade.
1: Yeah, gonna be fun to watch. All of them's gonna be fun to watch, and I'm sure you're gonna enjoy watching that Super Gas Championship play out as uh, as it seems to be the one that's most in control and certainly in your favor. So we're wishing you well and hoping that you know, continues on the path that it's on. You get that third NHRA Championship that'll be that'll be awesome for you man yeah man yeah not not man yeah but we we know to the
0: off-air shenanigans here at the sportsman drag racing podcast as my man joe brown would say man yeah (laughs) yeah. um vigja gary stennett's my bad beat i don't have a trivia time I, i think that's the show
1: yeah i think that wraps us up we certainly um shortened this one up from last week uh that was our quite listeners a long needed one. a break yeah but it was all good stuff uh, full our of producer great action needed a break. <laughs> yeah our producer <laughs> our producer needs to go to bed so uh good stuff luke enjoyed it as always uh listeners thank you for tuning in thank you for listening this long and certainly i uh, want to hear from you uh if you got show topics or things you want to discuss about this show or you need to send something private through the through the private message part of our facebook page do so and producer mark will intercept that but uh we'd love to hear from you right there on the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page whether it's private or public let us know what you love what you don't love uh, what you want to hear more of less of whatever just let us know you're listening we, we need to hear from you and uh luke i don't know what you have for shouts but it's that time of the show is shout time shouts to gary Stinnett, shouts to division one shouts
0: to oh Oh, H-I-O. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> Sorry, right. <Luke. laughs> and all the tremendous racers in that part of the country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most of all, Big Judge, shouts to the guy. There's some guy or girl behind a computer somewhere that writes the copy for these Manscaped ads. Because I got to give you credit. Like you, you ad-lib a fair amount of this. But by and large, this is text provided to us. We can't yeah. make this stuff up. Halloweeny? Pretty Krueger, <laughs> bite sized candy bars to king size. Like, sorry, we, we, full transparency, my, my shout game was pretty, pretty lame. And then we did the Manscaped read, and I'm, whoa, 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 come back. We got to, we got to start this over. I got better shouts. That dude or woman, wow. Like, that, that, that's a really good investment from the folks at Manscaped. Whoever comes up with this stuff, amazing
1: yes uh <laughs> wonderful wonderful raids I, I really enjoyed these and when they uh when they cancel us and by the way listeners y'all can keep that from happening if you'll just go there and buy some product they'll just keep rolling right along here with sports holidays baguettes. are coming like up us. yeah someone in your up.
0: life needs this
1: yeah i mean who doesn't buy halloween gifts for everybody they know get somebody some halloween gifts and they'll enjoy their new uh, beautiful new halloweeny but anyway Uh, Luke, when they cancel us, hopefully they see a lot of talent in these reads that I'm doing and they they take me along with them to other companies and let me let me do these reads for them. I got to
0: tell you, I think we've alluded to this on the show before, but we're not making this up. Every single Manscaped read has been a one one and done like it is off the cuff. There have been no retakes. Honestly, I think producer Mark would pull one over on you and would include the retakes if there were any. So you guys would know. But this is all, Jed's batting 1,000, 1,000. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, I looked through some of this stuff, and I, 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 I don't think that I could read. I couldn't read it the first time without losing it. <laughs> Every time. You're right there. just You just keep stepping up to the plate, and you keep yeah. knocking it over the fence, Big Jed.
1: Yeah, knocking it over the fence is a great uh, term to use. I, I, I was going to say I've crushed it, but in, in relation to the topic, I, I don't, I feel like that wouldn't really be the right thing to say so I'm I, knocking it I, over the fence we'll go with that it's not not the cleanest connotation <laughs> yeah. thank you manscape shout Shouts out to manscape <laughs> yeah absolutely no doubt uh really appreciate you tuning in certainly if uh, you want to reach out to us if you do the twitter thing want to reach out to us there on the twitter please do so luke is at luke bogacki b-o-g-a-c-k-i i am at jp <laughs> 11x excuse me got my phone together All right, BJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just got got a little tickled there but uh <laughs> nonetheless uh reach out to us there on twitter we'd love to hear from you and we can't wait to talk to you next week about more sportsman drag racing.
0: Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, that's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing shop online at bteracing.com
1: turn
0: his... enrollment in this is bracket racing elite is now open you've heard me discuss or at least reference this is bracket racing elite it is the premier offering of our website thisisbracketracing.com